Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. My name's David Reed. This is Marek Larwood. Hello, my name's Marek Larwood. And this week, for regular listeners, we have relocated to the environs of my house, Nice Muscle Hill. So fingers crossed there will be no police sirens, just the tweeting of happy birds and probably a builder who will start building as soon as I mention them. Anyway, I've, ne- I've, I've never had to do any angle grinding in my life, but it sure seems a popular thing for some people to do. It's There's, always when you're wanting to have a bit of peace and quiet, someone will get out the angle grinder. There is more in terms of percentage of me being alive over the last five years. My existence has been 60% in the presence of building work, yeah. including sleeping time. <laughs> but That's this London. Is, this is not points of view or a complaining programme. No. A film podcast. I went to the cinema. I went to the Crouch End Art House Cinema to watch Pride. Good. The I must say something about the audience first of all. Okay. Who who goes to see Pride? Well, it was I think it's reflected in so Pride is um a brief description of it. It is a, a British uh film about uh the lesbian and gay group for who supported decided to support the national mine workers during the strike of uh, 1984. Oh, right. Because they were a minority group uh, and they thought, oh, why not? And they had so many of the same problems that were affected by the miners. And they thought, why not? Because show a solidarity with these minority groups. What, that Thatcher didn't like them? That Thatcher didn't like them. She was that, closing their pits And down. that they were an outsider. <laughs> she was closing. <laughs> she wanted to seal up their holes. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, then they, they should all bandy together under yeah, a common and cause. after they... And they normally were covered in dirt. Yeah. Uh, hang on. I mean, that's homophobic, right, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that is. That really is. Um, so, well, that's the background to the film. Okay. And, and, and is it, this is true. This is it uh, based on true events, is it? I don't think so. Oh. I know it was, actually, yes. Oh, okay. Because at the end, they do a bit when they say what's happened to all the people in real life. So, I tell a lie, it was, I think, quite loosely based on true events. Okay. I've not really looked into it, and you know, that's quite nice. You can look into films and do some research about them. If you want the accurate uh, uh, description of films, go listen to another podcast. If you want someone blundering through a film they see, this is the perfect (laughs) place for you. Yeah, if you want a podcast that basically replaces your ill-informed friends so you don't have to talk to them. Yeah. 
Uh, anyway, so um, I went to the cinema and it was full. I think Crouch Ends a bit like that in the afternoon. It was full of fifty-year-old women and me. Yeah. It's a small cinema. They've got two screens. It's about about eighty seats in it, and. The, although they were clearly affluent, rich people yes. who go to cinema afternoons, they were very, very poorly behaved. Really? Yeah. 50-year-old ladies? There was a group of six of them, and there were two sitting in front of me, and they thought because they were there and they were the... It's it's some psychology thing about being the... Once you're the biggest group, yes, you can change your behaviour. Mm. So there was a group of about six women, and they split between the aisle. Cause they're, and they're, there's, there's a small cinema, something like four seats on each side with a small screen yeah. and it's about 10 rows or whatever and they were just talking someone and those annoying people who have to share something they can't watch a film and go actually I'll talk about the end but I'll turn to my I've, I've seen something you're not watching TV yeah. you're watching a film in the cinema with other people and there's a man who's paid just as much as you a handsome bald man it's me oh you, you yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. sitting just behind and I don't want to have to just hear that after each comment they've said. Yeah, it's really infuriating, annoying. isn't it? It it's, was so rude, and I thought, you're just... And you, you know I'm sitting here, but you because there are six of you, you think you were going to behave like this. What happens in your mind when the, the frustration rises in you at that? What what do you imagine doing? I mean, obviously, we don't do anything. We well, mur- mur- I think murderous thoughts. You Murderous thoughts. I mean, how murderous do you well, I go? I get very close to acting on it. I get very close to saying things. Yeah. Bring, now, I remember before. What do you imagine you'll say? That, because I'm interested by this. I think it's probably something that happens to a lot of people where they go, oh, I could I could tell them to... The problem is you, oh. want, you want to say, shut the fuck up. Yeah. But you do that, then that's disproportionate to what they've done. Disproportionate response, and they would then be in their rights yeah, so to, you, to react in kind. You so know? you become the evil guy. Yeah. Because you, you've been building up this resentment, not just in one action. This is from They don't realise that we go to the cinema quite a lot and have to become overtly sensitive to the behaviour of people in there. So when someone does something annoying, you just go, I'm not going to... Your yeah. reactions... Uh, this is my place. This is my, uh, this is my sanctuary. And you are violating it. You're violating me. Yeah, you are violating my peace and quiet. So what, what you just want to say, fuck off! Or shut the fuck up. I mean, the way to do it is do it in a way that's not posh. When you tell someone to fuck off, it's like you can't do it with any. Once they think you're weak or just doing it, yeah. But the best way to do, do it is to do. I think is to quietly. do it. Like, no, you're mental. Ah, or really quiet. <laughs> well, I, I I get the thing of uh, yeah. Cause I don't want to disturb other people, you know, that who mm. haven't heard this whispering person. Mm. So I get the sort of fantasies to lean into their ear. So even their friends don't know I've done it and just go. And then just move back, or something to that effect. I think, I think it's just me to be... I think you should say, shut the fuck up. Yeah. But you need to be in, a, in an air of mentalness that they're too scared to think that they might... That you have to give them that 3% chance that you might actually... <laughs> what about if you leant into their ear and just said, I love your talking? That's really... And then just went... Ugh. Yeah. And then just leant back again. I don't think they talk again. I think they could complain and say some bloke wanking. <laughs> you had more experience than this. Yeah, I, mean, I just I think don't... they would do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, so I was I went to see Pride. Pride. So it's got really good reviews. Who's in it? It's got um, a, a cast of 
new young actors, some of whom in the right club. Uh, the main is pop- Donald Gleeson in it. No, he's not. Oh, it seems like the kind of film he'd be in. There's a g- guy called Ben Schnetzer who plays the lead. Mr. Schnetzer. Mr. Schnetzer. Yeah. Um, he's going to be a star. This person. Really. Um, he's also in the right club, which I, we're going to we're going to review next week. It's got all these British actors. You can see them. There's a couple of films now. You can see them coming through. Go, oh, this is a new mm. generation that are going to take all the acting work for the next 10, 15 years. Um, and it's got a, sort of a young cast as well. There's some bloke who's in Sunshine, I believe, I haven't seen, uh, George McKay. And then it's got uh, uh, other people in it, like Paddy Considine's in it, playing the uh, Welsh miner. He's brilliant, as usual. Imelda Staunton, just being... That's it. It feels like from the poster because that's all I've seen of this. I've not read anything about it. It feels like an Amelda Staunton, Bill Nye sort of. Thing. Well, it's a bit like that. It's got uh, who's the guy who plays the bad guy in, in Moriarty in Detective in, in Sherlock's. In Detective. Oh, in Detective, <laughs> in Detective, that show. Um, uh, oh yes, what's his name? He was in uh, Locke as well, wasn't he? Um, Joshua Hill. No, no. Uh, Dominic West is in it as well. Uh, Jesse Kay's one of the young people. Uh, I can't remember what his name is. Anyway, I'm looking at it's a guy from who's a. Oh, you don't need to know people's names. You know what I'm talking. Andrew about. Scott. There we go. Um, He's excellent. He's very very good. My problem with this film is very entertaining film. Right at the start, it feels a bit patronising. It feels as if it's halfway between. Uh, uh, it's, it's it's almost like a romantic comedy feel. Of a serious uh, uh, topic, yeah, and the story is amazing. You've got a lesbian gay society for minors who decide rather they try and phone all the um, they collect, start collecting money from minors. They try and phone all the big mining societies in Wales, and no one wants to be associated with them. So they just drive to, and they eventually get through to one village, and they decide they, that's going to be their village. Where they're going to give their money to these people, and they draw and they drive there and visit them, and obviously the. There's a lot of homophobia going on. Miners don't want to be associated with the uh, lesbian and gay. They society. don't want to be the gay mine. Gay miners, yeah, right. Uh, and they want them to be a laughing stock. And there's almost there's really bad press. It's still quite uh, homophobia is yes quite prevalent in the press as well. Uh, it's, it's a fascinating story, and the acting is really really good. I do get annoyed. I, Bill Nye is not really doing his Bill Nye he um, uh, Richard Curtis thing, which is really annoying. You know that sort of. His ageing rock star sort of shtick. Yeah, and, and Melda Storm's a bit like... They're, they're, they're all toned down, and the young cast take a bigger role than the older cast. Paddy Constantine's brilliant. He's like the representative of the Welsh miners who... He's always brilliant. Yeah, yeah he's, he, he's quite played down. But Have you seen um, Room for Romeo Brass and yes, Dead Man's Shoes? Yes, yes. fantastic. It's exceptional, I know. Absolutely amazing. But um, my problem with this film... Right. I, think, I wish it was more gritty. It didn't go for that... Maybe it's because I was watching in the cinema for the, and women, 50, women in their 50s who really annoyed me who were doing the <laughs> laughing at it and who clapped at the end of it, which is one of the most annoying things out. Um, because it feels as if it's trying to be that rom-com feel-good film and that I find that annoying and I don't find it funny. I find it quite dated and it's taking what could, be, could have been quite a gritty film and I think there's issues with homosexuality. They sort of touch on AIDS but it's done in a sort of it's quite subtle way. It's not really, and it's almost as if all the all the Welsh old ladies going to visit the gay people in London. Yeah, let's have a good time here. All the gay cliches of men mm. 
you know, dressed in rubber, everyone's really welcoming and nice and everyone's not, you don't get that bitchy side of the gay community, you don't get the sort of quite, you know, having gigged stand-up in a lot of clubs, you end up gigging gay bars and things like that. It's quite seeding, quite dark, the world as well. Well, because, you, don't really you know, get like, that. like all... Like all humanity, it's got yeah. both sides, isn't it? And I think, um, and also with the Welsh Minds as well, I think it was it felt a little bit two dimensional, and it was almost here's we're making this palatable, a bit bubblegum, yeah, for for that for the masses. Did you see Brastoff? And that is exactly what I, the feel of Brastoff because it feels like it. Yes, that's... and that is ex- that is a perfect uh, you know uh, film to compare it to. Where it's sort of aren't we northern? Aren't we in this sort of chef? Was it was it mining? It's a mining band, community. Marching band. Yeah, well, it's the it's the colliery band. It's, yeah, so it's... oversimplifies it, and all the characters are a bit two dimensional. We've only got one sort of side to them. They're 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 this distinct character you can that, that is easy to. I understand. I think Brastoff's a bit better than that though. I think that might be sort of the reputation of Brastoff because it was parodied a lot, wasn't it? I mean, people took the piss out of it, but if you rewatch it. Pete Pothelswaite is excellent in it, and it does. And in fact, what's his name? The guy who plays the um, uh, reporter in Drop the Dead Donkey, uh, Neil. Uh, you know who I mean? No, no, not that one. The one who plays the roving reporter, who was also in Ballykiss Angel. Um, oh yeah, I know that one. He's got blue eyes. His yeah, that guy. Yeah, old blue eyes. His his character Stephen Tompkins. Thank you, Stephen Tompkinson. His character has a really dark storyline, and it does go there. I don't know if you remember, but he has a proper mental breakdown because mm. of what's happening. Ends up trying to hang himself dressed as a clown. Um, it's you know, Brastoff for me. It 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 does oversimplify in some ways, and it is a you know, it can veer towards the mawkish, but it's got that edge as well. But it sounds like what you're saying, Pride doesn't even have that. No, I do think it's. I think. I, that's my problem with it. Nonetheless, it is an enjoyable film. There's some great scenes in it. The acting's really good. Right. And you can't not like it. No matter how cynical you are, you can't not like it. It just feels as if it, as, there's a market. Maybe it was just the environs I was watching in where it's like, oh, isn't it great? Gay people and minors and everyone clapping. Yeah, and the yeah. people are clapping in the cinema are clearly like ex saturated <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, they're really sort of... Oh, wonderful, wonderful. I was so pleased the gays got along with the miners. Well, we yes. didn't really want anything to... Now, come on, you must come round to Susan's. We've got this <laughs> lovely new patio, and I'm really sorry. It's only a Prosecco we've got, but we'll have, they'll have to do. That was what I was like watching. It's made of the bones of miners and gay people, actually, yeah. now I think about it. I love gays, but I feel so much safer when they're on the screen rather than in my presence. And I much prefer using electricity than knowing how it's made. I have no interest in mining whatsoever, yeah. but I'm pleased someone does. So different, but I think it's got really good reviews, and it is a feel-good film. But I'm just too cynical. I'd really enjoyed it though. I'm going to give it an eight. Oh really? Okay, great. I mean, what, what's the what's the budget on it? Is it a big? Is it a decent sort of film, or is is this sort of an underdog? Uh, I, it felt like it was decent quite... film. That's not what I mean. You know, is it a uh, your um, you know is it a, me. is it a uh, they've gone all in with this or? I'm trying sort of... to find the budget for it. I'm trying to find the budget for it on the <laughs> computer, but I can't find it anywhere. Oh, never mind. What's a budget? What's a website where you can look up budgets for? Uh, Boxofficemojo.com okay. is the uh, well, it's it's Hollywood skewed, so the smaller in British films they don't tend to have, but it's interesting nonetheless. Um, 
All right. Well, eight eight Marricks. I will. Um, it's enjoyable, but I think they also at the same time it annoyed me. I don't really feel that I've, um, just, as usual, described it very well. I can't find out of the budget. What well, what I like about your reviews, Marek, is it, it leaves uh, so many questions that it probably makes the films better when you finally see them. I don't want to give it away. Yeah, exactly. I know nothing about the characters or what happens. A load of gays, a load of minors. <laughs> I don't want they're to all know. Di- they're two different <laughs> communities come together uh, and eventually support each other and make friends. Some minor subplots, some sort of nice, funny lines, some interesting characters, sad bits, different bits. Quite enjoyable. Is this well a sort shot. of? It's a post-Curtis film, isn't it? It, it feels, feels a bit. It's a little bit darker than that. It's, it's, Is there a romantic it's really, subplot? It's well. No, not really. That's the good thing about it. It's um, it's well made, and it is uh, it's enjoy. It's hard to do. You, you've got to say give credit where credit's due. There are a lot of different characters in there, and I suppose some of them are a bit two-dimensional, but it does feel as, as a work as a big character piece. I I think there's a. This is a sort of a relevant point, but. Um, there's something wrong with posters for British films yeah, in that they clearly haven't paid anybody who's any good at this to make them. Because the poster for Pride is really annoying because it just, it, so it just feels annoying. like it, we're just going for that. Oh, it's a really pleat. Everyone's having good fun. It looks like a this. poster for Horrid Henry. Did you ever yeah. see the poster for that on the buses? It makes it look so cheap. It, it, it they look cheaper than like CBBC shows or something. Like they they always make them look dog shit. And it's it's a bit of a shame, really, because then you see a poster for some actually dog shit American so you, film, and you go, "That looks have, amazing." What poster would you have for Pride? Well, I'm, I'm not saying I know what it is. It's just something about the quality of the the illustration and the Photoshop. I would work. have a coal-stained hand holding a used condom. Is that how you see? And and then you write and Pride tattooed on the knuckles and the hand. Wow! So it's like a football factory kind of film. Uh, and the coal stayed hand had nail varnish on it, so just clever, clever, because transvesticism is obviously the same thing, isn't and it? And the condom had a hole in it, and there's some seep. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't see this film now. But you'd be intrigued. I'd be more intrigued than just seeing Imelda Staunton and Bill Nye smiling, yeah, in yeah. some pastel-coloured clothing. And then it's okay. Well, we're going to the poster now, so can all the established box office stars that appeal to people? Uh, the middle classes come to the front and everyone else angle yourself backwards so we can't really tell <laughs> can't they don't know who, who you are. are people don't know who you are and they don't want to know who you are until you've made the film yeah they never will know who you are ok the film's doing quite well everyone likes the guy can we bring the guy forward from the back to the second row please so we can see his face a bit clearer it is right. amazing isn't it uh, I've, I've mentioned it before but do you remember that uh, Gina Carano film I, I spoke about um Who's the MMA fighter? I've only Where, or, um, my memory's only lasted one week. Okay, every, every well, week or everything. Uh, when they when they released the DVD and the Blu-ray, they uh, she's the lead character. It's all about her character, and uh, they uh, <laughs> they redid the poster so it was of Ewan McGregor's face, who is an incidental. Character. Really? Yeah, such a such a rude thing to do, um, but yeah. It, terrible, terrible. Hey, life's pretty hard sometimes. Yeah, it is, isn't it? That's probably not the worst thing that's ever happened. But uh, when you're feeling down and you yeah. think, I'm just so alone yeah, in yeah. this world. Thursdays. What happens to make you feel as if there's other people out there caring about you? 
Well, um, you can basically talk to us, use Film Fandango as a sort of uh, social emotional hub. And, uh, write us an email. Yeah, yeah, write us an email. And if you want to do that, then you can email dearfilmfandango at gmail.com. And some people have done that, haven't they? Yes, here's one. Mm. His name is Matt Ray. Matt Ray. And uh, what accent? What, he's from Whitehaven. I don't know where that is. What? Isn't it up north somewhere? Is it? Um, isn't it sort of near Scotland? <laughs> up north, somewhere near Scotland. Yeah. Little Cumbria sort of way. I think it is in Cumbria, you know. I can't do a Cumbrian accent. I don't know what it sounds like. I'll do him uh, as me. Uh, Dear David, American buddy. Sorry, not here today. I've recently discovered the trailer for the film The Zero Theorem, directed by Terry Gilliam, and starring Fandango's own favourite bad guy, Christoph Waltz. I'm surprised you haven't reviewed it yet, after showing you your affection for Gilliam's films Brazil and Time Bandits. Eight and six mats. I plan on watching it this week and was hoping you could you could too and give the film Fandango treatment. Anyway, I've left a donation that should cover the cost of renting it from iTunes. <laughs> oh, I might cover some of Marek's travelling costs. Keep up the good work and keep watching the films, Matt Ray Whitehaven. Thank you, Matt. I have seen uh, The Zero. Oh, you have you? Yes, I have. I haven't seen it, but I will, I will see it with your money. Yeah, please do. Please do. I, I watched this... Um, uh, recently, and I am a huge Terry Gilliam fan. Was you know? Very I was fascinated much when I saw the trailer. Cinema, it looked like it was a mental childhood. It, film. it is. I have to say, and I'm sorry, Terry, if you're listening, his worst film so far. Really, it's so boring. So, but bo- it feels like he's getting less and less good at this because this one feels like there's a sort of student's philosophy essay in the background of it. Like often there is with, you know, this is about, this film is about something, it's an allegory for something, it's a metaphor for something, but this one is an allegory. This one is just, he's put this essay in the mouths of some poorly defined characters and nothing happens. There's no story. It looks beautiful though from the trailer. Of course, it's a Gilliam film, so it looks mad, but it's nothing we haven't seen before from him. It's very Brazil with fewer ideas and a smaller budget. You like 12 Monkeys to me. There. There's no story, really. It, not Nothing that's exciting or, or, you know, interesting, and that's the problem. It, it's, it's, really, it's really dull. It's a really dull film. The Zero Theorem. Does it, do you give it zero, David? <laughs> probably give it, I'd probably give it three, you know. It's, wow, that's it's, terrible. It is not a strong film, and, you know... I count among my favourite films of all time, Brazil, Time Bandits, Baron Munchausen. You know, I I love Twelve Monkeys. I love Tideland. I thought that was I thought that was really interesting, and that's a more recent one of his. Um, Brothers Grimm is not strong. Imaginarium is a mess, but possibly you know, forgivably a mess for the circumstances surrounding it. Mm. This one is just it's not entertaining. That's the problem. And how is old Christoph Waltz in it? Oh, he's great. Christoph Waltz is really good, isn't he? But it's um, he he is the Sam Lowry equivalent in this in this film. Sam Lowry is the character that uh, Jonathan Price plays in Brazil, and it's just not it's it's just not anything really. It's it's. I mean, I'd be interested in other people's opinions, but I just did not find anything about it engaging. Oh no! Sorry. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for the donation. If you want to donate to help us um, 
pay for the hosting the web podcast whatever this bloody thing is and to help us towards cinema tickets we're not sponsored by anyone like that as you can tell <laughs> yeah then you can go to filmfandango.co.uk and follow the link from there and thank you very much to the people we've done so so far we really appreciate it i tell you what yeah um you know Simon Le Bon I do know Simon Le Bon yeah well the next person who's written it is a name a bit like this it's Simon Bonner uh, it's a bit like that you read this one Simon Bonner. Oh, New York cabbie. Hi, Malika David. Simon here. That's just Jewish, isn't it? Is that New York? <laughs> That's fine, though. They could be cabbies. On last week's podcast, you mentioned Robert De Niro's career suicide. With his descent from the heights of Godfather to a raging ball, to the slide put a walk of your and go and meet the parents. He's even made some films that are so bad nobody has even heard of them. E.E.G. Being Flynn, Freelancers, and The Big Wedding. That's quite an email, God. You're going to hurt my voice. I would like to introduce you to an ingenious and admittedly morbid game I've invented. Robert Di Nero. <laughs> the aim of the game is to decide the best death date for once great actors and directors. When would <laughs> so morbid? It's so morbid. I kind of like the game. Though. When would Robert De Niro have to pop his clogs for his reputation as a great actor to be guaranteed, and for the rest of us to be spared his most e- e- egregious howlers? <laughs> My vote is for 1997. That would have got Jackie Brown, but never been exposed to analyse this or Las Vegas. My eyes are still crying from that one. What about Al Pacino? As a fan of Yankee baseball, Merrick might argue to, for, for 1999 to preserve any given Sunday. I would go as far as 2002 because I'm partial to insomnia, but Pacino should never have lived any longer. <laughs> the, than that as Simone and Giggly are unforgivably keck. And the less said about those guy adverts, the better. As I'm a fan of About Schmidt, Jack Nicholson should have gone to the pervert's retirement home in the sky in 1992 after he made a few good men, because then we would have been spared as good as it gets, which is a 140-minute hate crime. Will Smith, 1996 after Independence Day, and before any other film he's ever made. What do you think? I'm conflicted about Johnny Depp, who managed to follow up each pirate-based stinker with something more worthwhile. Same for Tom Cruise. If Danielle wants to keep Ghost Protocol, she has to put up with night and day. Scorsese. Spielberg, Ridley Scott are also tricky. Obviously, Ridley should be drowned in the mud before he makes a sequel to Blade Runner. But how how far back would you go? Cheers, Simon Bonner. Interesting game. That's a really good good game. Okay, he mentions Ridley Scott. I've got Ridley Scott's career in years up here. So So, just go to IMDb, put it up and just think of a death day. So, so, uh, you you say kill... On the year that when I get it's, it's to it, so what's depressing about this is it's like Logan Run for actors. Right? Yeah, it is. Well, it's it's directors. My worry, or... my worry is that I probably picked in my career about eight years ago. So you should have died. I shouldn't even. It should be a ghost. <laughs> okay. Well, if if I go through the the successful films of Ridley Scott, let me get the. I think uh, Ridley Scott's quite simple because he he just did a, he did Alien and it's two thousand and one. He should have died. 
uh, before making any films, basically. Let's just do some ones he's done already. So let's have a look at... Um... Robert De Niro? Yeah. I agree with him on Robert De Niro. Absolutely. Well, Black Hawk Down was good. For Ridley Scott, sorry, I thought Black Hawk Down was quite good. Yeah, but then you'd have to have Hannibal, and that is an absolute stinker. But you did Gladiator as well, which Gla- Gladiator, sort of film, but if, so you've got If he died it. after Gladiator, he would be respected, you know. In terms of his career, he'd made Gladiator, Thelma and Louise, Blade Runner and Alien. That, that, that is enough. But the problem, he, he's making The Martian, which is a book I bought on, which wasn't even published. I just bought it on a whim a few years ago yeah. on, uh, on my Kindle for Amazon. It was a brilliant book. Doesn't uh, mean it'll be a brilliant I, film. I, I, I mean, he's I made, wait and see. He's made Prometheus, you know, I like, Robin Hood. I like Prometheus. Really? No, you don't. After watching that documentary, which I talked about, the making of Blade Runner, yeah. and seeing Ridley Scott fighting against the studios or anything, I've got a newfound respect for him. Yeah, but he doesn't fight against the studios anymore. He does whatever he damn well chooses and makes duff movies. Um, as for Al Pacino... Yeah. I don't think Insomnia is good enough to save him. So what year are you going with? I don't I even think Donnie Brasco. The last film I've really liked is Heat. Okay. Cause it, he's, he plays pretty much the same characters. I love Glenn Gary. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, 1992. Yeah. Colito's Way is quite... I'm not a fan of... He did quite a good run. Frank and Johnny was great. It's TV, but Angels in America, he's brilliant in. Doesn't count. Okay. Heat, 1995. I would go after any given Sunday because I love his speech and he's brilliant in any given Sunday. I would go 99. I'm a big fan of American sports, but that's not big enough to. Um, that's football. Save him. That's uh, all it is. Robert De Niro. Yeah. Play along at home. So get up IMDb, go through. You've got all the list of things there. It's, I mean, it's really fun, isn't it? It's a fun game. Uh, so, Robert De Niro. He churns about three films a year. He's, it's incredible just how his IMDb thing you have to scroll down so far about get... 40 or 50 films since he did anything good well not anything good but something he's good in that's the that's the difference isn't it I, I agree Sleepers. I think it's 97 I think it's got to be 97 like Jackie... Ronin is, has got good car chases but it's not a fantastic I film. enjoyed Ronin but I do like Jackie Brown and I think that's the last one yeah and also, if you do that, you get... I uh, quite like Sleepers and you get Heat as well. And Casino is 95. 97. So, actually... Oh, Rob- but Frankenstein's already been made. Robert De Niro outlives Al Pacino. Good to know. Okay, here's a tricky one. Yeah. Nicolas Cage. I just think... I want to know what want- happens to Nicolas Cage. <laughs> I just want to let him keep him running. Yeah, but I think with Nicolas Cage, he's a... Popular figure in our podcast. Yeah, you, he's it's still interesting what he's going to do because I mean he's made so many stinkers, but you've got to let him do Kickass, haven't you? Which is 2010. What was that film that I watched? I reviewed the other Joe. That was quite interesting. It's him going back to old form. At least he's still uh, Al Pacino and. Robert Nero just doing caricatures himself. Nicholas Cage. No one knows. Not even he knows what he's doing. No, you're you're absolutely right. Okay, who who else has sort of gone down the the poop hole? I mean, it's a lot. It's what's hard is for female actors. It's just quite depressing that there aren't many good parts of people in their fifties. I mean, if Hollywood had it that way, everyone would 
But as a result, do they not go off the boil because they don't have overexposure? I yeah, mean, it's a shame we don't see. It just shows you how sexist Hollywood is. You have all these male actors doing it, and female like Michelle Pfeiffer, who's brilliant. Well, they tend quiet. to. British actresses seem to get more parts when they're older because uh, they haven't had work done, so they actually look their age. So Jack Nicholson, who has, hasn't done them, I liked as good as it gets. I did quite like the pledge. I didn't see the pledge. It's just a fascinating film, um, and I think that Jack Nicholson has still got a sparkle in his eyes, which maybe Pacino and Robert De Niro have lost. Well, let us know what you think, audience. Yeah, or let each other know. This feels like um, one of those conversations for Facebook, doesn't it? Rather well, than people say that email. We, talk, we talk about Facebook and stuff. We don't never, ever read out stuff on Facebook. We don't read it out, but it's more for talking to each other. But if you'd like to uh, join in this debate, then go to facebook.com forward slash film fandango and talk to each other there. Or you can start a Twitter hashtag if you want. We're at film fandango or at Mr. David Reed or at Marek Larwood. Um, should we go on to the we've got some more letters but we'll read them out next time okay we'll read them out next week Uh, yes well I've seen a film that caught my eye I didn't know anything about it other than people were talking about it a bit Um, and so I watched it it's a great story isn't it Um, (laughs) it's called The Machine now this is a 2013 sci-fi film that is um a low budget movie like super low budget like if you it's a sci-fi film for under a million quid which is and that barely a, covers the cost of tinfoil no I know to, to wrap your protagonist in yeah and uh, you know the vocal lessons so you can go beep um, but this is uh, the debut of uh, Caradog W. James which is an incredible name first name Caradog Caradog C-A-R-A-D-O-G what would you call him then for short Dog uh, I'd call him, call him Caradog wouldn't you I don't know yeah but um, Caradog uh, but this is a tiny budget sci-fi film uh, starring uh, Toby Stevens who you may know He's been in lots Bond of stuff. Films and stuff. He, sadly, he is the villain in the worst Bond film ever, but uh, Die Another Day. He's a red-headed man, isn't he? Yes, you're sort of angrier Damien Lewis. Yeah, Damien Lewis must have stolen a lot of his parts, I reckon. They probably see each other in uh, waiting rooms quite a bit, going, oh, Damien. And Damien's yeah. career has gone up while Toby, Toby Stevens has gone down. Yeah, but it also stars a relative newcomer called uh, Katie Lotz, who plays both um, the scient- a scientist in this, whose uh, brain is the model for an android. And, and she what, plays the android as what well. What happens in Okay, place? this is about a secret government programme... Not uh, another one. ...that uh, is involved in making robotic um, prostheses for uh, soldiers who've been injured in combat, but actually their plan is to then use combine all of these prostheses to make an android so they don't need soldiers at all. Oscar Pistorius. Oscar Pistorius. You know, he is one step towards murder bots. Oh, okay. Isn't he? Allegedly. (laughs) So you're saying... saying, He's culpable. He's culpable for being one step towards murder bots. His legs made him kill people. No, I'm trying to say... Allegedly. But if we were going to make a robot that was going to kill people, we'd use his legs, wouldn't we? And not hit in his mind. 
Maybe. Maybe. Uh, you know, he, no, we'd use his mind to be culpable of the death. Anyway, this is not about... <laughs> is this about Oscar Pistorius? No. No. But it's basically underground facility um, where they are developing tech to help um, uh, soldiers specifically who've had uh, brain damage as well as limbs blown off and stuff. And... Uh, this young scientist, this scientist, is brought in because of her work on um, uh, artificial intelligence, on uh, developing computerized brains, um, because that's the most complex piece of the puzzle and the last bit they need. Um, so far, so generic. What stands out about this for such a low-budget film is one: the script is actually excellent. Mm-hmm. And the direction is fantastic as well. It's it's done brilliantly for all of that. And the central performances are really good. This girl, Katie Lotz, who's a dancer, actually, um, the difference in her performances between playing this sort of happy-go-lucky scientist uh, who's really out of a depth amongst these sinister people and the android itself uh, is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. You don't... It would be very easy to go, I'm going to be a robot. And people go, you're just pretending to be a robot. Not what if I did this voice. Where's Merrick gone? <laughs> uh, no, like, but she's, she is really, really good in this central role. And she'll probably she do a English? lot more. No, she's Australian, I think. I think. I am I robot. That's it, yeah. Um, she's now in the TV series Arrow already, I think, um, okay. as, as some superhero or other. Um, but that, it's what is Arrow about? Arrow is about a man it's with a, a bow and arrow. <laughs> what? That's racist. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, whatever you were going to say. It definitely is. Um, I know you well enough to know it was probably definitely racist. You can say that, can't you? You can say you call no. the film Arrow. And make it about a Japanese guy who's just really pleased to see everyone. <laughs> I don't think that's cool. I don't think that is cool. <sighs> Never mind. This podcast is more and more frequently me being really disappointed with you. <laughs> you can edit that out. <laughs> no, I won't. Okay. Like I did last week. Oh, did I say something bad last week? Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's an interesting watch. And I was really surprised by actually how engaging it was. It's if I've got a criticism, it goes from being its own thing and really quite interesting to it climaxes to being a well-made thing you've seen before, if you know what I mean. So it's actually been quite inventive in the sort of first half and then it slowly turns into a a thousand films you've seen before. When was this released in? 2013. And was it just disappeared? Was it's it just a t- a... I presume it didn't get a general release because of the tiny budget. But um, it's it's if you're a fan of sci-fi, it's worth a look. It's not going to you know be um, a classic, but it might get a bit of a cult following because it is fun. The machine. The machine. You may have seen it actually on streaming services and stuff. It's got a very white poster. And Katie Lotz has spelt her name. See. A-I-T-Y. Like uh, like it's short for Caitlin. Or maybe it is. Mm. Otherwise you're a knob. <laughs> uh, yeah, but no, it, it surprised me, this film. And the baddie is excellent in it. He doesn't go over the top. He's playing the sort of the government man who doesn't care if the robot uh, 
has feelings or has a soul or whatever. It's a government property and he will do the pragmatic thing. It's a part we've seen a thousand times. But he plays it utterly believably where you're like, well, no, he's being... I mean, to be fair, he's being reasonable. And, you you know, so there is ambiguity in it. And it's actually played... I look him up, looked him up. Um, he is... Uh, Wedge Antilles in all of the Star Wars original Star Wars films the only other X-Wing pilot to make it out of uh, the Death Star run oh really what's yeah. his name in real life Dennis Lawson is it yes Dennis. oh he's the one who played loads of he was he's just, he was in loads of TV series yes yes he's done a lot of TV since he's inside number 9 was the most recent thing I saw him in which was the uh, Rishi Smith Steve Pemberton series where he played the man in the uh, the expensive uh, studio house. He was in Kit Curran, you don't remember that, do you? No, what's that? It was a TV series. It was in uh, 1986, I was 10 years old. And I remember him being really funny and he was really young. I can't even remember what it's about. Um, Kit Curran, if you remember that. Okay. Well, you know, he's excellent. I think he should do more stuff. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. But it it showed a real restraint with its CGI. Because obviously with a small budget, sets cost a fortune. Big sets, especially complicated ones, and sci-fi. My God, to attempt sci-fi on a small budget is brave. Mm. You know, I've seen other small sci-fis, things like uh, Storage Twenty Four, Noel Clark's film, which is just dog shit. But it's because there's no invention in it. It's mm. just here's me doing a film I've seen before. Whereas this one was actually it had some authorship to it and a real subtlety of touch with the the CG because you don't notice it most of the time. But they've clearly used it. They must have done. Um, it's just, you know, you know what it is? It's a watch this space for that writer-director because good stuff may come if they're given a bigger budget. Cool. So there we go. Pride and, and the, the machine. machine. Sounds like yeah. something. Sounds like Florence the Machine or Rage Against the Machine. Yeah, or um, something else. <laughs> Before we go, I've said, do you never get that thing when you remember a really old film you've completely forgotten about? Yeah. Jim, I watched this cartoon and I managed to find it by some fluke. I got recommended something on YouTube that was linked to something else. Right. It was, te- it was called Rock and Roll. Do you remember that? No. What is it? It was an animation and they got, they got, uh, it was Canadian. It doesn't really work because of the problems in the making of it. Um, about this singer in an apocalyptic world uh, where everyone's sort of dogs and cats, but there's rock band. Uh, who are trying to sort of get going. Sounds incredibly 80s. It is really 80s. And there's an evil villain called Mock who wants to summon all these demons by using the lead singer's voice. Is it a feature film? It's a cartoon animation, yeah, a feature film. Um, I've never heard of it. Called Rock and Roll. It doesn't, it doesn't really work, but some of its work amazingly. Some of the drawing animations amazing. And it had people like um, Blondie doing the music and lots of famous musicians. Wow. I wonder if anyone's heard of it. That 80s thing of rock and roll can uh, can save the universe. Yeah. That very Bill and Ted, isn't it? And they're making that again, aren't they, apparently? Well, there's there's talk of... uh, Is it Alex... Winters. Winters. I was going to say Summers. Yeah. Um, Alex Winters uh, spoke recently about uh, Bill and Ted 3 that they've been talking about for ages. But he and Keanu are very good friends still. He must be running out of money, isn't he, Alex Winters? No, he's been working in production happily for years. He's a director and... Producer. Much nicer job. I would have thought so. Um, but of course, uh, George Carlin is no longer with us, so Rufus would have to be... Uh, yeah. 
he was great in it. But we'll see if I can get that part. But uh, yeah, you'd be good, Rufus. I think. Thanks. Well, that's it, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, we'll be back next week with yet more films. So do get in touch if you'd like us to uh, read out your uh, your email. That address again, dearfilmfandango at gmail dot com. We'll be back. Keep watching the, the films. films. Bye. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.